Brought to you by Mountaineer fans, for Mountaineer fans, the Country Road Webcast. What's going on, Mountaineer Nation? Welcome into the CRW Christmas episode here at the Country Roads Webcast, where we will also be discussing the final season stats for West Virginia after the 2022 football season. That's all the Mountaineers finish at 5-7 and seven overall. And additionally, we will also be talking about our season prediction roundtable, our season prediction results, see who finished off with the best record overall there. And that's kind of the agenda going throughout here. Of course, we'll keep the same uh, formula as always, off-topic babble, Mountaineer news, and then our main topic, which will be the season stats and the season prediction roundtable results. And then we're going to close it off with a little Christmas wish list, so a Christmas-themed episode here of the Country Roads webcast. And we're going to kick it off. Instead of off-topic babble being its regular segment, we're actually going to rank some of our favorite Christmas movies of all time here. So uh, super excited to do it. I'm a big fan of Christmas movies, big fan of the Christmas holidays. You can see me extra festive, Brad. I mean, I got my Santa hat on i know you can't Absolutely. Quite, I got my black christmas shirt on i mean i got my That's lights good. even changed to christmas i got a little christmas tree lights up here got some garland up here new apartment man it's it's been hard to decorate i do got some i, I feel that there. i got some stuff along the mantle but Ooh, don't have yeah, a lot I of see a bit there i got a little christmas tree i got, got a bunch a, of presents beside me so let's see if i can, see if I can show you guys on the video so i got the blue and gold christmas tree in here as well on the desk beside me that's nice i like that but uh just a treat for you guys on the video side there uh you guys listen to the audio side might not have caught that but uh just showing off our uh little festive decor on this uh christmas themed episode of crw i even got a headless west virginia snowman uh he's about a decade old he lost his head a couple years ago but uh i still keep him That's around right. out on holidays that being said brad let's kick it off with the uh christmas movie ranking All right, so replacing our usual off-topic babble segment here, we're going a little bit more off-topic than usual with a Christmas movie ranking. We're going to both give our top five favorite Christmas movie rankings of all time. Of course, we're not saying these are the best Christmas movies of all time. These are just our personal favorites. Our list is just our list. We'd love to see yours, though. If you want to share it down in the comments, if you're watching this on the YouTube, on the video side of things here, share your Christmas movie rankings, your favorite Christmas movies in the comments with us. Always love engaging with you guys as we continue to try and grow the Country Roads webcast community throughout Mountaineer Nation. Having said that, Brad, uh, let's let's hear it. Let's uh, let you kick it off with your uh, top five Christmas movies, and then I'll come in uh, with mine to follow you up. Gotcha. So I'm going to start from the bottom. I'm going to go to the top. So coming in at number five, I'm with an old classic here. I got some claymation, and I'm going with uh, Santa Claus is Coming to Town. You ever seen it? I've never seen that one. Gotcha. Yeah, it's an old, it's an old claymation one. It's like 57 minutes long. It's just iconic to okay. my childhood. Um, real old school, love it. They were playing it the other day at one of my work events, and I was like in the meantime for like lunch, and I was just like, Oh my god, I haven't seen this in forever. It reminded me how much I loved it. Um, number four, I also went Grinch Stole Christmas. I feel like it's up there, it's got to be a top of the top know. one. Um, coming in my number three, I'm gonna shoot take all the Santa Claus movies. I think the Santa Claus yeah. movies are amazing. Um, not my top two, unfortunately. Number two, I'm going Home Alone. 
Um, I feel like that'd be a lot of people's number ones. People people do love the Home Alone. But my number one is Polar Express. I'm a big fan of Polar Express. Okay. Really well made. Great story. Um, yeah, I love the Polar Express. So, All right. I dig it. I dig it. Well, the good thing is our lists are like completely different. So that's awesome. But a lot of yours that you you know had there were close. Like if we did a top 10, some of those may have made the cut. Uh, but they're definitely honorable mentions for me. But I did cheat a little bit because... I couldn't, you know, Christmas and Christmas horror for me, I got to kind of differentiate because, you know, I'm a big horror fan. So if I included the horror movies in my regular list, it would just probably be all horror. So I definitely got to shout out some of my favorite Christmas horror movies before I do my top five. And of course, you got to go Silent Night, Deadly Night, you know, and then Silent Night, Deadly Night Part 2 even is good. Beyond that, I've never really watched, you know, the rest of the uh, franchise. I know it goes on, but the first two are uh, good watchable. You know, Killer Santa Claus, can't go wrong with that. Fun stuff there. Um, And then, of course, you got to shout out one of my personal favorite slashers of all time, Black Christmas, 1974, Bob Clark classic. Um, Also went on to a direct movie that you'll see in my top five regular Christmas list, which I'll get into now, Brad. My top five, uh, number five for me, Jingle All the Way, 1996. Oh, Arnold. Yeah. <laughs> I love Arnold, man. You know, I, I'm a big Absolutely. fan of, uh, you know, Arnold, J- uh, Van Damme, all them 90s action stars. Uh, and I think yeah, uh, that's a good one. Arnold's, Arnold's comedy chops are underrated, too. You know, this kindergarten cop, you can name a lot. And to me, this is probably my favorite comedic performance from Arnold, this or maybe twins. But Jingle All the Way, great. I mean, get the Turbo Man. It's a lot of Christmas vibes. Of course, Sinbad's hilarious. Phil Hartman was yeah. hilarious, of course, back in the day. Rest in peace. Uh, so, yeah, I love uh, Jingle All the Way. I think that's underrated. Uh, number four for me, A Christmas Story. The aforementioned Bob Clark directed Black Christmas in 74. Nine years mm-hmm. later, directs an instant Christmas classic, A Christmas Story. Ralphie, you shoot your eye out. I mean, yeah. everyone knows A Christmas Story. You get the marathon every year. And I think that's why I grew to love it, just watching it every year, you know, Christmas yeah. Eve and Christmas when I was younger. So that's number Did four for me. to a pole? <laughs> yeah, the classic scene, uh, Triple Dog Daria. Mm-hmm. Uh, number three for me, uh, I think this is one that's kind of a little bit more obscure. I just found it probably in the last five to seven years. It's also from the 90s, though, and it's uh, The Ref uh, from 1994. Great comedy, underrated Christmas comedy. Uh, like I said, yeah, not not very many people know about this movie, yeah, or at least it's not talked about as much. <clears throat> yeah, it's uh, Kevin Spacey's in it. Uh, Dennis Leary, though, is the star of the show to me. Um, you know, I like Dennis Leary a lot. Uh, you know, he's the stepdad in Sandlot. He's done some good stand-ups in the past, but I think yeah. he steals the show in this one with his comedic chops. He's actually like a, a cat burglar, robs homes, but gets caught in these one uh, one people's home, which is Kevin Spacey and his wife, and they have family coming over, so then he pretends to be their marriage counselor the whole night, and so just hilarity ensues. If you haven't seen The Ref, <laughs> definitely check it out. Okay. Yeah, definitely. My, That's funny. I mean, my dog's barking in the background. He must approve. Yeah. I love that one. Definitely. And then uh, wrapping it up with my top two, number two, I think uh, one of the more popular ones, uh, my family, they watch it all year round for me. I watch it every time near the holidays. It's, you know, another comedy, of course, I'm a mm-hmm. horror comedy guys, my top two, and it's uh, Chevy Chase and Christmas Vacation. Can't go wrong with it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> and then uh, number one for me, uh, super old one, throwing it way back for this one, 1946, but the classic It's a Wonderful Life. Um, mm-hmm. you know, what can you say that hadn't been said about the Frank Kappa classic there? Uh, black yeah, and white. Absolutely. I got the 4K last year actually on uh, on 4K Blu ray, and it's uh, remastered in color. Kind of weird watching in color. I still prefer the black yeah, and white, sure. but had to do it for the experience. And this is one I watch every year on Christmas. Uh, so number one for me, just near and dear to my heart. It's a wonderful life, definitely. But yeah, that's what I got. Yeah, definitely. You went very much old school, and I went very like mid 2000s so <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's true yours was more uh modern than mine i guess mine was heavy 90s <laughs> 80s but i'm that way with a lot of stuff music movies all of it i, I prefer like even like Absolutely. like I said, horror, like 70s and 80s horrors where my niche is right there yeah it fits it definitely fits any thoughts uh brad any other christmas movies you wanted to throw out honorable mentions maybe you just missed your cut anything like that nah i feel like that pretty well covers it i think that was a good spread I'm sure we'll please a lot of people with a lot of those answers. 
But I will throw in one more final thought since I do always talk about things I've watched in off-topic babble. I did go check out the uh, Violent Night movie with uh, David Harbour from Stranger Things and Santa Claus, and that was pretty sweet. It was kind of like uh, Die Hard and Home Alone Had a Baby would be the way I would describe it. So I'd recommend <laughs> yeah, checking it out. <laughs> that being said, let's uh, get into a little bit of uh, WVU topics now. Let's talk about some uh, Mountaineer news. <laughs> All right, so Mountaineer news now with the offseason running. Of course, one of the main topics is transfer portal. Can't have an episode here updating Mountaineer news without talking about that throughout the offseason. And for you guys watching the video side, I've got my screen shared with you guys. And if you've been following our YouTube channel throughout the offseason, you've seen me update this continually with the transfers out for West Virginia as well as transfer targets. I'll scroll down here to the transfer targets while I talk uh, for you guys on the video side to check it out. And that will hopefully help encourage you guys on the audio side to maybe hop over to the CRW YouTube channel if you haven't there at the Country Roads webcast and give us a subscription there helps us helps you helps get more of this Mountaineer sports content out to Mountaineer Nation and if you're in here on that video side drop us a thumbs up give us a like on this video if you would really helps its performance and will help future videos performances as well but if you are on the audio side we appreciate you guys for tuning in there as well you can find us on Apple Podcasts Spotify Google Podcasts you name it you can find us there just search Country Roads webcast but if you're on Apple Podcasts do us a favor leave us a rating there and any other podcast platform you listen on you can always help us out by sharing it around so if you're on the video side you're seeing some of the players west virginia has offered in the transfer portal there but let me get up here to the transfers out for west virginia i will read off this list for you guys that are tuned in on the audio side as far as mountaineer news is concerned the players that have transferred out from west virginia this offseason so far uh defensive back name muhammad mumu bin wahad Charles Woods out of the defensive back room. Then you get two tight ends in Corbin Page and Mike O'Laughlin leaving the program. Wide receiver Reese Smith transfers out. Quarterbacks Goose Crowder and JT Daniels both out. Defensive lineman Taj Austin out. Safety Tyron would be out. Excuse me. Offensive lineman Jordan White. Wide receiver Caden Prather. And then the three most recent ones, two coming from the defensive line, Torres Simmons, Jordan Jefferson, and Chris Mayo on the offensive line. But of course, most recently in the past couple of days there is a more positive update as far as the transfer portal is concerned and that is West Virginia has received commitments from a couple of transfers those being both from Kent, St Kent State actually excuse me a wide receiver and a defensive back respectively uh, the wide receiver being Deshaun Polk and the defensive back being Montre Miller so that's kind of the transfer news for West Virginia at this time in the offseason um, beyond that, um, other news that you guys may have not heard since the season ended. Of course, we're going to get into some season stats later as our main topic, but the Big 12 teams were announced all conference-wise. West Virginia placed two players on the Big 12 first team, and that was, of course, Zach Frazier on the offensive line and Dante Steele's on the defensive line. Bryce Ford-Wheaton made second team all conference. Honorable mentions to the Big 12 conference team was Jasir Cox, C.J. Donaldson, Sam James, Lee Coba, Wyatt Milam, and Jordan Jefferson. And then Thomas Remick was named a freshman All-American along West Virginia's offensive line as he took over at left guard after James Gmitter retiring. And that fact is one I wanted to point out. It's very interesting because it marks the third consecutive year that West Virginia has had a true freshman offensive lineman be named an All-American. Zach Frazier two years ago, Wyatt Milam last year, and now Thomas Remick this year. So that being said, that's kind of all I've got there for Mountaineer News, Bradley. I know ran through a lot there, but anything that stood out to you you want to touch on here, we can get into a little bit of discussion of some of these news topics here before we move on to our uh, main topic here on this episode of the Country Roads webcast. Yeah, we'll start with the last bit first. Thomas Remack getting freshman All-American, super impressive. I think that really, you know, um, I apologize, Matt Moore, for being so rough on you. You've produced the last three years. Um, I'm sorry. You know, we're going to have a whole entire left side of the offense, starting with the center that's going to be former freshman All-Americans. Um, you know, for successful next year, it's going to be because of the front line and our running backs. So I'm sorry, Matt Moore, for um, – Harsh in your mellow, man. <laughs> My bad. No, I'm right there with you. I think a lot of the fan base, you know, still continues to be, you know, on him even this offseason saying that they're, he's one of the assistant coaches that they'd like to see go. Um, 
where I do think that we will see other assistant coaches leave. And I guess that's one thing I should have uh, talked about in Mountaineer News as well. I'm sure everyone probably knows it by now, but Graham Harrell, of course, leaving West Virginia to come be the, to go be the offensive coordinator at Purdue, one of the most interesting developments of the offseason as far as the coaching situation is concerned. But I do think other West Virginia assistant coaches will leave as well. I'd say one to two more. You may see uh, move on and what you have to replace. Uh, I'm not going to speculate on who that may be. Don't know if Matt Moore will be one of those. But I think, like you said, a lot of the fan base continues to be on him. And I think that that's kind of a misnomer because, um, like you said, you know, three years in a row, freshman All-American, I think the offensive line was young. He was left with absolutely nothing when he came in. But I think we've seen them get better and better, especially this season. I think they were really good, especially when you consider run blocking, pass blocking, you can still judge the pass protection a little bit, I think, maybe. But run blocking, I thought they were really stellar for the majority of this season. So shout out to Matt Moore for that. I think that's a great thing to point out. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the, people can lay off a little bit. There's other places that your anger is more well-pointed right now than at Matt Moore. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, speaking of that anger, I know a lot of people think that the sky is falling right now because of everything going on, whether it be Neil Brown returning, you know, a lot of reports surrounding the program and questionable things within the university's administration even. And then, of course, the transfer portal right now, West Virginia's lost now 14 scholarship players this offseason, have only brought two in. So I guess I ultimately just kind of want to ask, what's your thoughts on the state of the program in general this offseason? And I guess what West Virginia is doing or not doing in the transfer portal as of this recording anyway. Yeah. So I'm, I'm going to preface this with, I'm going to support our team no matter what happens. And I'm going to stay in there because I'm a fan of West Virginia university football and I'm going to support it. But and I say everything before, but is nonsense, but, but I don't like where things are at right now. I think that everything's been super sloppy. I feel like our team feels unprepared. Um, Kind of touching back to the portal, I told you I was okay with kind of uh, not getting a lot out of the portal. I really think that the young players that we've seen play have really been um, outstanding, and I'd rather just trust a player that you know um, that I've seen kind of develop in our program rather than bringing somebody in. Um, but the lack of interest from anybody is really scary. The fact that we picked up a couple kids from Kent State is nice, but that's not like. Um, an absolute answer, especially for like the defensive backside of the things like that whole entire defense is wide open right now. You've got, you know, one returning defensive lineman, uh, a couple guys that have played a little bit, you know, like Michael Lockhart, you know, played a little bit. That defense is wide open right now. And to tell me that you can't get any talent in there, you know, you can look at um, a Montre Miller. Sorry. Yeah. So yeah. like you get one DB, but if we're actually like a place kids want to be, then like we should be able to pull somebody here. And the fact that we're not getting a lot of love really shows out because I think that Neil Brown's been able to get those guys in the past. I think that he's been able to reach out. You know, he missed last year, but, you know, he was talking to kids. And I guess we see him talking to kids this year, but it just doesn't seem to be hitting in the same manner. And so I think that going into next year, man, we're going to be real – we're going to be real scrap and bone. I mean, it's going to be – I feel like we're trimming the fat off our program and now we're just getting to the meat of our program. And it's like, what we're going to have left. I don't know. It's going to be like a one deep, but if you get the right one deep, that's all that matters. (laughs) So it not feeling great at the moment. Me neither. I'm, I'm a lot, I share a lot of the sentiments that, that you do. But uh, the one thing that I can say is, like you said, West Virginia is losing a lot. I mean, just looking at looking at the two rooms specifically that really stand out to me is the wide receiver room and the defensive back room, specifically cornerbacks. Uh, West Virginia are losing your top four receivers, uh, Reese Smith to the transfer portal, Caden Prather to the transfer portal, Bryce Ford Wheaton and Sam James moving on, graduating. And then out of the defensive back room, you're essentially losing – almost every corner you had that played significant snaps, Wesley McCormick and Rashad Ajayi to graduation, Charles Woods to transfer, uh, Mumu Ben-Wahad moving on, Malachi Ruffin has graduated. It's unknown. I mean, he has another year of eligibility. He may come back, so you may get Malachi Ruffin back. You get your young guys back, your Jacoby Spells, your Andrew Wilson-Lamp. So to me, I think West Virginia really needs to hit home runs in the transfer portal this offseason specifically. We saw last year they missed in the transfer portal. I know I've made the analogy before comparing it to the basketball side where Huggins missed a couple of years ago and 
you know, getting lower level players. Seems like this year he's hit getting more power five players. And I think West Virginia football needs to do that this offseason as well. I think at the time of this recording, though, I'm a little bit concerned about if they're going to be able to do that. Um, like I said, we're recording this a couple of days Absolutely, ahead of National yeah. Signing Day. Who knows what's going to come out? There. West Virginia may haul in some good uh, – we know they're going to have a pretty good class, but they may even sign some transfers that day too as well. Who knows? But at this time right now, judging on the information that I have, West Virginia has two transfers coming in, both from Kent State. Nothing against Kent State, but that's very similar to what we've seen West Virginia do in recent years and not really have – Right, not really have great success with that. And I think you're losing, you know, a lot of production at receiver. You're losing a lot of production at corner. You know, granted, corner was not that great this season. So that's a wash either way, I think. But with what you're losing, with what you're replacing it with so far, does not look that great. And West Virginia, as you've seen with the list I showed earlier on, for you guys on the video side, West Virginia has sent out a lot of offers to Power Five players in the transfer portal at both of those positions. But also seen today, I seen West Virginia offered a scholarship to a junior college wide receiver today. And so to me, we wouldn't be sending an offer to one of those junior college wide receivers if a vast majority or you know even a slim margin of these power five players we've offered in the portal had interest in coming here. Because what I've seen is a lot of the players that we've offered have made top three lists without West Virginia in it or have committed other places. And we have a commitment from a player from Kent State and we have a you know sent an offer out to another JUCO player. So I got to agree with you right now. I mean, the state of things just does not seem good. It could be just be the mix of things, how they're happening all at once. But just right now, I don't like where things are at. I'm hoping that signing day really turns me around. We'll be recapping that here. Uh, we'll have it up uh, upload on the podcast. We'll probably do it live for you guys that watch this on YouTube. But hopefully that's a brighter thing that can really you know get me feeling a little bit better because right now, just being honest, Brad, I'm a little worried. Yeah, and I think it comes back to the point that it feels like a decision should have made been made sooner. You know, if you're going to stick with firing Shane Lyons, you should have fired him months ago. You know, if you're going to fire Neil Brown, yeah. you should have fired him months ago. Now it's like you put everybody in Absolutely. a bad position, and it's like that the, the people responsible for that to me has felt like they've just done this. Like I, I'm not yeah. touching this. You know, I'm not taking responsibility for this, and like that's it's not promising to see, and so. You know, the, the board of directors or the president key, whoever it is, like it feels like a decision should have been made sooner. And it feels like we really just fumbled the ball. And so I think that that's where our lack of confidence comes in. It's just, you know, we're, we're not seeing we're not seeing progress at any level right now, to be honest, you know, and the fact that they've been so tight lipped about this, you have not heard much in the last couple of days, which has been um, honestly deafening since the season we've had, like you've not had, it has been. you know, this long that you haven't heard anything and it's just absolutely deafening. And I think that it, you know, it speaks volumes on what's going on here. And so it's like, I want to hope and I want to support no Brown because, you know, maybe he's just really at the bottom of this shit pile we've got going on, you know, but yeah. um, no other yeah. way to put it. Yeah. And I think, you know, to kind of bring back to like the, the the recruiting point, I thought that, you know, I wanted to just go out and find one stud wide receiver, and I think that we have not succeeded in that whatsoever. You know, I just wanted to see one guy, one great guy that was going to be a little bit older, take some of the pressure off of our young guys, and you know, we can't go out and do that. No, not good. So, well, and I think this is going to be a, a telltale season. Like we know that this is the make or break year for Neil Brown. Well, we know that he's got last a short year. leash to potentially. This year has to be. Yeah, well, well, this we would assume that he has it. a short leash. Yeah, like, and it, even to the point where he may be fired midseason if we start similar to the way we have the past couple of seasons. I feel like, but I'll, in turn with that, I think this is telltale not only for Neil Brown and his make or break year, but as far as the West Virginia program is concerned. Because I think what they're hoping is they've rooted out the problem. You know, maybe with Shane Lyons, we can really do some things now. But, you know, the way that we're seeing as as fans right now, just judging by what me and you were talking about and what you're seeing, you know, just gauging the temperature of Mountaineer Nation in general, social media and, you know, through what we do here as well, you can tell that everyone's kind of feeling a similar way for the vast majority. And so I think if we feel that way and the perspective from the outside is, you know, West Virginia is a mess right now, which we've seen people say – that that's a problem that you can't correct until you find out what the root of it is and you root out whatever the infection is that's harming your program. And that specifically doesn't have to be 
only limited to the football offices. You know what I'm saying? It doesn't have to be a football coach pro problem, an athletic director problem. It could be a university level problem that you may have to go way high up to root it out. And I'm not, you know, pointing the finger at anyone here because I don't know. But I'm just saying, judging by what we know now, this could go beyond Neil Brown. You know what I'm saying? This year is going to be telltale of that to me. If we if we struggle similarly, even after firing Neil Brown, say we do it midseason, then I think this could be problem to me that it looks like goes higher up. Yeah, and quite honestly, like that's what you're looking at. Neil Brown's going to play against Penn State at Penn State. He's going to get pit at home. You know, you're asking a lot of him. And besides that, by firing Shane Lyon so late and deciding to let Neil Brown stay, you gave him, you know, uh, a few weeks of leeway time that, you know, he was allowed to tell recruits he's going to stay. Like you've put him so far behind the ball now. And now, you know, Red Baker's the only way we're going to save the transfer portal is if we pay kids. And it's like you put Ren yeah. Baker in a, such a small window to try to make any money, whereas if you make these decisions months ago, and it's like this could lead into Neil Brown losing next year when we're replacing a coach then. And then, you know, Ren Baker's under fire. I think that everybody's under fire at that point to make things work out right, and we're just not in a position to do so. Yep. Absolutely, absolutely. And, you know, the fun thing to do as, you know, fans and as, you know, what we do here, Brad, as hosts and here and, you know, on the channel and is speculating on kind of trying to brainstorm how can we fix this problem? What can we do to help West Virginia? And so that's in turn going to be our final segment. So I just kind of wanted to tease that a little bit now as we're talking about this. Like our final segment, we're going to give our what we're calling our Christmas wish list for the West Virginia football offseason, which is just kind of us saying what we think could help the program to help us lead to the most successful 2023 possible like what's what staff changes would you make what you know players would you want to see brought in what position you know just in general what do you think could help West Virginia have a successful 2023 with Neil Brown as the head coach with you know the pieces they have what would you add to that mix or what would you change staff wise you know just kind of that type of thought process just to kind of tease for you guys our final segment where we're going to do our uh, WVU football Christmas wish list. But uh, that being said, Brad, any final thoughts here on Mountaineer news before we talk about our season prediction roundtable results and uh, the final season stats for the Mountaineers in 2022? No, I think that, you know, I could talk all day about transfer portal and NIL and how frustrated I am all day. So no, it was a good place to stop it. <laughs> that being said, let's get into our main topic then today of the day with our season prediction roundtable results and the final season stats for the Mountaineers in 2022. All right. So before we get into the season stats for the Mountaineers in 2022, let's take a look at how we did here as hosts with our season predictions here. Always, of course, this was our fifth annual season prediction roundtable. Um, this year, uh, I think all of us picked eight and four besides Steven, who picked nine and three. But of course, if you've been following along with the review podcast throughout the season, you've probably seen this Google document, which um, shows was showing how we all did as it went along uh, running concurrently with the games. But how it all ended up here, as you can see, uh, Bradley finished five and seven. Coos was the winner here. I'm sure you guys know Coos from over at Coos's Corner. If you don't, you know, you can follow him on all podcast platforms at Coos's Corner and, of course, on YouTube, which if you follow us on YouTube, I'm sure you already know Coos. But he also started a West Virginia basketball channel. If you guys are WV basketball fans, check out Hoops from the Hills on YouTube. It's him and Mountaineer Paul, who you guys should also check out, Mountaineer Paul Talks Football. But I also finished five and seven. So me and Bradley with the same records there in our season predictions. Uh, And then Ryder and Steven, uh, three and nine and two and 10 respectively, of course. But, uh, you know, the bright side for Steven is he was the most optimistic is what that means is this, that he had us, you know, nine wins. So obviously within picking nine wins, he was going to finish with the lowest. So Steven two and Ryder three and nine. Bradley uh, five and seven with me also five and seven and then Coos with the best record is seven and five. So thoughts on the yeah. season prediction roundtable, Bradley. You weren't able to make it uh, two years winning in a row, but I mean technically, if you don't count, if you don't the count guests, Coos, you're if, tied if we don't first Coos, among the CRW you know. hosts. Yeah, yeah, no offense, no offense, Coos, but I'm not going to count you because it helps me out. Uh, Jordan, <laughs> we can share the title if you go along with it, right? So, oh, that's true. Know. That's a good point. That's a good point. All right, so. 
there's a look at our uh, season prediction results. Um, let's take a look at how the Mountaineers did uh, this season as far as their team statistic rankings, kind of where they ranked in the nation offensively and a lot of team stats as well as in the conference, and then some of the standout individual numbers for the Mountaineers, both on offense and defense as well. All right, so going to run down some of the statistics for West Virginia and how they ended up in the 2022 season nationally and within the conference, both some team stats that I've got and some individual players that stood out as well, kind of the team leaders on offense and defense. We'll run through those. But let's start it off with the team stats for the Mountaineers. Um, offensively, in scoring offense, West Virginia finished 2022, ranked 51st nationally, averaging 30.6 points per game, which was ninth in the Big 12 Conference. Total offense, West Virginia averaged 399 yards per game, which was good for 60th nationally and ninth in the Big 12. Passing offense-wise, West Virginia, 227.5 pass yards per game, 70th in the nation, 9th in the Big 12 Conference. And then rushing offense, West Virginia was 54th in the nation, actually, 172 yards a game, which was good for 7th in the Big 12 Conference. Uh, Bradley, thoughts on the West Virginia uh, team offensive stats? Yeah, that feels about right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, pretty pretty yeah. low there. We ran, we ran the ball pretty good. Pretty good. 54th, 54th, 54th. Considering, you know, bringing in Graham Harrell and JT Daniels, kind of what our expectations were, it's, you know, kind of the exact polar opposite, I guess, in a lot of ways, considering that we were ninth in the conference in total offense and ninth in the conference in passing offense, kind of the two categories we thought would really be high up there with Graham Harrell and JT Daniels. Yeah, I think I predicted JT Daniels to throw for 3,500 yards. I believe I did as well, Brad. <laughs> oh man, bingo, bingo! I, th- I said uh, I didn't think that we'd have a single hundred like thousand yard rusher. We had people putting up hundred yard games like it was nothing. Yeah, that's true. That's true. We did, did do a great job running the football. Oh, 100%. If CJ if CJ plays the full season, he he probably hits it 100%. But uh, that's the one be- good thing I can't say. Yeah, at least over a thousand, hundred percent. That's the one good thing I can say about the offense, though. The rushing offense definitely improved. You know, the first three years of the Neil Brown era, we struggled to really run the ball. This season, it was really our strength, and I hopefully it continues to be. I know you've probably heard me preaching about wanting to see the offense go that way. You know, I'll talk more about that later. But I think for West Virginia, they did improve offensively. I think last year they were 80-something in scoring, so coming up to 51st. And then total offense was way down last year. This year, you're top 60 at least. So I don't want to harp on Graham Harrell and say he did a bad job as West Virginia's offensive coordinator or anything like that. I think we just had really high expectations. But the one thing, at least, he did improve the West Virginia offense a little bit, just not in the way we thought. And I think the – the kind of marriage between West Virginia and Graham Harrell didn't work out the way that either party expected it to. And I think that's one of the reasons you kind of seen him bolt to Purdue unexpectedly, despite still having a couple years on his contract at West Virginia. I know a lot of people thought if he would leave, it would be for a head coaching position. Ultimately it's for another coordinator position, what some would call a lateral move. So that's kind of interesting just kind of goes to show how this really didn't work out for West Virginia, I guess. But uh, I'll move on to the defensive stats here, Brad. Um, and then I've got kind of a miscellaneous one I'll throw in with that as well because it's really a standout statistic to me throughout the Neil Brown era, not only this this year, but as far as defense is concerned, West Virginia, 97th of the nation in total defense, gave up over 400 yards a game at 412. Sixth in the Big 12 Conference, actually was surprised they weren't lower in the conference with that one. But 114th in the nation in scoring defense, West Virginia was absolutely terrible. 33 points per game allowed, ninth in the conference. 111th of the nation in pass defense, we know that was the – Big struggle for this Mountaineer defense all season. 262 yards per game given up, also ninth in the conference. And then rushing defense, West Virginia actually was not at near as bad as they were in passing defense as they were 69th in the nation in rush defense, giving off about 150 yards a game, which was sixth in the Big 12 Conference. But the Mountaineers did rank last in the Big 12 Conference in one category. And I'm sure if you followed along the Country Roads webcast throughout the season, you probably know what that is, and that's penalties. And that's the miscellaneous stat I wanted to add in here, Brad, because it seems like it's something we struggled with throughout the Neil Brown era. This season, West Virginia racked up 77 penalties in 12 games, 75th in the nation, last in the Big 12 Conference, Brad. So any thoughts you want to add in on that or the West Virginia defense uh, statistics? Like you said, something we've grown, like grown used to, which is, you know, disappointing. So uh, definitely something's got to get cleaned up. Absolutely. But, yeah, defense, yeah. I, when you said that we were like a 90-something in total, overall total defense, 
I was actually shocked by that because I was like, our run defense must be pretty good then because, you know, we were pretty decent at that. <laughs> and, you know, yeah. our past defense just never got there. You know, they were a little bit better on towards the end of the season, but it really amounted to just a big. Yeah, it was, it was terrible. And it just continued to get worse because not only was it bad initially, then injuries added up and you had to move pieces around and, you know, work guys in uh, there, but. Yeah, West Virginia 97th in the nation in total defense, and the only thing that kept them out of being ranked in the hundreds was the rush defense. Like you said, Brad, West Virginia 69th in rush defense to bring that average up because 114th in scoring defense, 111th in the nation in pass defense tells you all you need to know about the Mountaineer defense this season, in my opinion. Yeah, they've been better off the field. All right, so those are the team numbers for the Mountaineers statistically to end the 2022 season. Like we said, not the best year overall that we all expected. I think you had some standout moments, but when you look at the statistics overall, it kind of tells the tale for the Mountaineers ranking near the bottom in a lot of those, both offensively and defensively, of course, led to the Mountaineers being uh, finishing in the rankings of the Big 12 near the bottom as well. But as far as team stats are concerned, West Virginia, like I said, did have some moments that really stood out, and I think a lot of that was due to some good performances by some individual players. So let's look at some of the standout team leaders for the Mountaineers on the season. Uh, Passing offensive-wise, we know it was a disappointment, and I think the numbers tell the story there. The West Virginia's leading passer on the year, of course, JT Daniels, only 2,100 yards, 2,107 to be exact, 13 touchdowns versus nine interceptions, ranked sixth in the conference in passing yards. The Mountaineer run game, we talked about really stand stood out um all season long and uh, it was a plethora of guys that got it done like we said cj donaldson only 526 rush yards um or excuse me 526 rush yards in only a limited time of action i guess i should say 11th in the conference you know despite only playing about half a season so the freshman phenom for west virginia really was the story of the year i think in a lot of ways but tony mathis of course can't fail to mention him either dealt with an injury the latter portion of the season of his own, as West Virginia's running backs did there. They lost all three of them at one point, uh, which is why we saw Jalen Anderson be thrust into action, and he proved to be a bright spot as well. But Tony Mathis, 562 rushing yards, eighth best in the Big 12 Conference. Justin Johnson, 430 rush yards, 18th in the Big 12 Conference. Garrett Green, 276 rush yards, 21st in the conference of the Mountaineers with four players in the top 20 rushers in the Big 12 conference there. So that's great to see. As far as Mountaineers receivers, the standouts, of course, all three moving on is the bad side. But uh, Sam James led the team in receiving. Love to see that. Uh, Me being a big Sam James fan that you guys know that follow the show. Love to see him end his career on a high note. Uh, Fifth highest receiving yards in the Big 12 this year with 745. Bryce Ford Wheaton, not far, far behind him, 675 receiving yards of his own. Caden Prather with 501 to rank 20th in the conference. Those are the standout players for the Mountaineer offense. Kind of Brad, what are kind of your thoughts there on the individual statistics for the Mountaineers on offense before I get it to the uh, leaders there defensively? Yeah, I think that you were spot on with C.J. Donaldson. I can't believe he was in the top 15, even though he missed half a season. That's crazy. And how right. dare – how dare JT Daniels come here and throw 13 touchdowns and nine interceptions and leave? <laughs> well, it was, that was bad, man. It was a struggle, though. Passing game was a, was a struggle this season. Yeah, I mean, it was on everybody. It was people dropping balls. It was JT Daniels giving up halfway through the season. It was, you know, somewhat shaky line play at times. Yeah, pass protection was. And then receiver-wise, you know, like I said, love Sam James to death, love Bryce Ford Wheaton to death, uh, Caden Prather moving on to the transfer portal as well. I think they're all talented players. But um, one of the statistics that stands out as well is West Virginia ranked near the bottom of the country in separation rate as well. The receivers really didn't get a lot of separation. You know, they led the conference in contested catches, but that's, you know, also goes hand in hand with that stat. You know, I think that's a stat that the they kept pointing out was Bryce Ford Wheaton leading the Big 12 in contested catches, which is great. But also, all those te- catches are contested because our wide receivers were not very good at getting separation this season. So I know West Virginia has to replace a lot of production in that room, but at least, you know, hopefully the guys they bring in can, can't be any worse at getting separation, you know? Yeah. And, you know, I, I honestly think that there's a slim chance that we pull Caden Prather back. I really think that, you know, they've suggested him. I think, well, if I'm being honest with myself, I'm Neil Brown. I'm looking at my top players and being like, hey, put your name in the portal. Try it. Put it out there. Whatever people offer you will match it. You know, and just being like, hey, like, this is how we're going to appreciate your value. Just like, 
you know, right now we don't know what that is. We're so far behind the eight ball. You're just like, Caden Prather, put your name out there, see what offers you get, let us know, and then we're going to see if we can beat it. If they can't, they can't, you know. But right now, like, I think that that's the approach you have to take. And, you know, technically schools can't talk to you unless you're in the portal. So you put your name in the portal, you see what kind of offers you get, you come back to Neil Brown, you say, hey, I need this kind of money. This is what people think I'm worth. And, you know, um, you know, maybe he plays harder for it. And you come in and you feel a big portion of that lost uh, – production right there and you know some of these holes you know if you're not going out and getting a transfer stud wide receiver then you're trying to keep one at home so i think there's still a slight chance if i'm no brown that's what i'm doing um can't guarantee that's how it's going to go caden prather did wait longer to put his name into the portal which you know and he hasn't posted about any offers yet so he's keeping very quiet about it so who knows yeah it's it's definitely possible and i think that'd be a great course of action to uh, potentially take so i agree with you there Uh, it'll also be the same thing with jordan jefferson too slightly yeah yeah no no perfect perfect segue there because uh jordan jefferson of course i think that's obviously the two biggest losses west virginia suffered in the transfer portal caden prather and jordan jefferson so uh that's one thing i always preface when i'm doing transfer updates i try to preface it with you know players can return you look at michael laughlin back you know when neil brown came in he actually entered the portal and then we saw him come back and you know play here for three years before you know entering the portal again this offseason but uh potentially players can return just because they enter the portal doesn't mean they necessarily have to leave. So, you know, you can always have your fingers crossed that these talented guys may choose to come back. You never know. And you would love to see Prather be one that does that. And of course, Jordan Jefferson, as those have been the most detrimental losses for West Virginia to this point. But speaking of Jordan Jefferson and that West Virginia defense, some of the individual numbers and statistics that stood out when you're talking final season stats for the Mountaineers, the tackle leader, Lee Coba, uh, mixed bag, I think compared to what, you know, he was, talked up to be going into the season. I think the latter portion of the season, we started to see some of that because they started to use him more in a more attacking way. West Virginia was blitzing a little bit more, playing a little bit more man coverage due to some of the teams that were playing. And he shined there, but ultimately he he still finished as the team's leading tackler. Yeah, he had great moments. And we all thought that he would. I think we all predicted as much on the season prediction roundtable, actually. But 92 tackles, seventh in the Big 12 Conference. So all in all, you know, I think it's a net positive with Lee Coba there. Um, but then a, a standout player to me on the defense all year, and I think is one that, you know, could be a bright spot moving forward. Uh, knock on wood when we're talking transfer portal, of course, when you got a young guy that's good, uh, I think, in the secondary. And to me, the young guy that was good in the secondary was Aubrey Burks. He finished second on the team in tackles with 66, 19th in the conference. And he was actually the highest graded safety uh, by defensive rating, according to PFF, as far as uh, full season goes. So that's something I wanted to point out as well. Uh, tackles for loss for the Mountaineers. Jordan Jefferson was the leader with nine and a half, 16th in the conference. But Dante Steele's right there with nine of his own, 19th in the conference. And Dante Steele's added four and a half sacks, which was 11th in the conference. And Sean Morton, Sean Martin, excuse me, had four sacks as well, which was 21st in the conference. And the Mountaineers leader in interceptions, I don't think anyone would have called this one going into the season, but the aforementioned earlier in the show, Malachi Ruffin, former walk-on, had to play Summit Corner this year, finished with two interceptions, led the Mountaineers in that category, also was 13th in the Big 12 there. So there's some of the standout defensive performers. Uh, Brad, what are your kind of thoughts there on uh, any of those numbers? Yeah, they're a lot lower than what you would want them to be. You know, saying I think it's indicative of the season we had. Just you know, you don't want your, you know, top tackler being your safety back there. You know, and so uh, or not your top, your second second best. You know, Aubrey Burks. And I thought Aubrey Burks played well. I think that he was amazing. Right. I thought that he was one, like you said, shining spot on the defense. But um, yeah, to hear that you're also losing a lot of stats right there. I think about the only one you're keeping is Leek Pogba. And, you know, Aubrey Burks hopefully. And Sean Martin, which I'm excited for Sean Martin going forward. Absolutely. I am too. I am too. Definitely. I think you got some young potential, at least, you know, moving forward um, that can return next season. You know, Lee Coba, I think, is going to only get better. And then, like you said, Burks is young and Sean Martin, young and continuing to get better and better, finally earning a starting job this year. So I think you potentially have some pieces on the defense. You just kind of have to fill in and hope you win in the transfer portal, which we talked about earlier. But speaking of that transfer portal, that'll kind of transition us to our final segment here on our CRW Christmas episode slash uh, season stat recap for West Virginia football in 2022. And that is going to be our WVU football Christmas wish lists. (laughs) 
All right, so for our final segment here on this episode of the Country Roads webcast, we just kind of wanted to give what we are calling our WU football offseason Christmas wish lists. Um, that's a tongue twister there. I say that five times fast. But um, what we're going to do here is kind of talk about what we want to see happen in an ideal situation that we feel like would lead the Mountaineers to the most success in 2023 or set them up to be successful in 2023 um, with West Virginia losing Graham Harrell. There's a staff to fill on the offense. So I assume that, you know, that's one thing we'll talk about is potential staff changes can also talk about holes you'd like to see filled and what potential players you'd like to see filled them. Just anything you think that can help West Virginia lead to a successful 2023 football season is basically what we're doing here. Our Christmas wish list, uh, what we would ask Santa for, I guess you could say, to help the Mountaineer football in 2023 because we need some type of magic. So if we can get some Christmas magic in here to help us in 2023, mm-hmm. I'm all for it, Brad. Yeah, absolutely. So do you just want to like take turns? You tell me something from your wish list, I'll tell you something from mine. Yeah. Yeah, that's fine because I, I really only have you know a couple things. So uh, if you want to go ahead and throw me one, then I'll throw you one, and we'll go from there. Okay, I so it's gonna, still going to be my own personal wish list. We're not joining one here because I got my own little world that I'm building. So um, right, I wish I, I would wish for Chad Scott to be the offensive coordinator. I like that. I think that we need to really embrace the run. I think we've got four great running backs. You might keep three of them. Uh, you might be able to keep all four of them, maybe. And you just embrace the run game. You get your quarterback that can kind of show off in the run game. So, um, you know, it's like good under Garrett Green. So I'm, I think that, you know, you let Chad Scott take over, even if Neil Brown's running the play calls. Um, I still think that Chad Scott can be bumped up to kind of, you know, have a little bit more decision-making in that. Yeah, I'm 100% with you there. And that goes right along with, you know, my main one, which was uh, for me, for my Christmas wish list, is I want to see West Virginia transition the offense in 2023 to more of a uh, spread option type of attack. Uh, The way I've, you know, the analogy I've used is, of course, 2016 when Dana really molded the offense, uh, brought in offensive line coach Ron Crook. They really got a lot of power run game going. Had some option off of that quarterback run game along with that quarterback powers, quarterback counters. And then mix that, of course, you still can keep your air raid principles with your route trees, route combinations, and things like that. And I think that 2016 offense, you know, for a reference point, go back and watch some highlights from that team, really ran the ball well. Wendell Smallwood finished, you know, leading the conference in rushing. But also in turn with that, they had over-the-top threats in the play-action game. Shelton Gibson was great. You know, you lured people to sleep with the run. They loaded the box. You hit play-action, hit Shelton Gibson deep, and West Virginia was hurting teams with that all season. That was their only 10-win season in the Big 12. And then I think, looking traditionally at West Virginia's history, they've done great with dual-threat quarterbacks. I'm excited to finally see that. Garrett Green and Nico Marchiol. Neil Brown's 18-4 and at West Virginia when the team runs for over 100 yards. The offensive line run blocks better than a pass blocks. There's just so many factors that go into this making sense for West Virginia to have more of a run-heavy, different type of style offense that we've seen in recent years. And it's one of the reasons I'm not too upset about the Graham Harrell move because to me that's my number one Christmas wish is to see the offense transition that way. I think it's the best thing for success for West Virginia. So you saying Chad Scott moving to offensive coordinator kind of goes along with that for me because to me it's not even specifically who we hire as the offensive coordinator. I don't care if we promote within. I love Chad Scott, so I would love that move. And even if we do do that move and Neil Brown calls the plays, I just want the offense to look you know, the way that I think you have the pieces for it to look and the way that you could be most successful with, and that's with throwing in some read option, triple option, power run game, quarterback run game and mixing that with some play action and different things and kind of leaning into a run heavy offense in 2023. Yeah. Well, it also covers up some of your weak spots of not having good wide receivers. You know, you're not going to be taxing them that much. You can just really lean on the depth that you have in the other positions. Um, So yeah, it would solve. And it could honestly be the reasoning behind Graham Harrell leaving. It could just be looking at it and be like, Hey, like we just don't have it. (laughs) We just, we just don't. You're better off to go to, you know, somewhere that has, I think Purdue had a really tall wide receiver last year. I think that you know, they had a good wide receiving core last year. So I can go in there and really improve upon that. So, you know, I've said most likely to me, I feel like Neil Brown will call the plays next season, just knowing Neil Brown and, and how he is, especially with how much this season is. It's his make or break year and knowing how he's a micromanager and, uh, you know, really wants to have control over things. I would be surprised if Neil Brown doesn't call the plays next season. Yeah, absolutely. 
Yeah. So hopefully that leads to maybe promoting within, like we said, a Chad Scott offensive coordinator and then just hiring a position coach, which would probably be a quarterback's coach. But then maybe you go, do you go get a Clint Trickett, you know, somebody like that. I know that's the second wish. That's the second wish on my wish list. I already know who it is. Oh, perfect. Perfect transition because I think I know who you're going to say and I 100% agree with you, but go ahead. You are wrong if you're not hiring Pat White. You're absolutely under. You're a hundred percent wrong if you're not hiring Pat White. I don't care what it takes to get him here because it 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 also covers up so many holes, just so much. If you make him the pass game coordinator, right, something like that, it doesn't feel like it fits his title. It is what it is, though. You know, he's going to be really focusing on the option, but it's up to him to teach them when to pass it. You know. But having him to come in and teach the system, it just matches so well with what he knows, what he's doing, what he has done. And coming into the same situation here where we've got two great dual threat quarterbacks that just need that kind of coaching and that experience. And not only that, not only do you get a quality coach that comes in and, you know, can really mold what we have. It really fits what he wants to have a former WVU alum come in. Every single alumni that has talked to Pat, played with Pat, knows Pat is going to be willing to throw money at this to make sure that it works out for Pat. You want to get people excited. You want to get donors money in you hire Pat white and you'd be like, you guys just really going to leave Pat white out on a boat. He's trying to train these young quarterbacks. You're going to leave Pat white and Nico Markiel out on a boat with no money, man. How sad is that? And they're just going to throw money at it. It's just going to happen. Like you, there's, you can't convince me otherwise. You want to get more, they, they preach, a, a, you know, more alum uh, involvement, hire, hire Pat White. It'll change almost instantly, overnight. I love that. I love that because I think that's perfect for, because, you know, people have been wanting to see Pat White on staff, and I think that uh, when the offensive coordinator, you know, job potentially now open, people are saying that he should be that in that role. And I just don't think he's quite ready for that yet, especially not the power five level when he hasn't really had too many, too much experience, you know, as a coordinator yet. But I think ideally he could be a quarterback coach, a position coach for you instantly. So I think if you promote Chad Scott and need to hire a quarterback's coach, Pat White should hundred percent be your first call. Couldn't agree with you more there. Great item there on your wish list. Uh, for me, I really only have one other thing. And uh, the, what, what it was for me was I think I've talked before about how I love in-state players feel like they, you know, really seem to want, I don't know if want it more is the right word or right terminology, but they just have that fight to them, that grit to them that you want, you know, that you're trying to build here. If you're trying to build that blue collar mentality, which it seems like we've been trying to do with how we've been building up the team through the trenches offensively and defensively. And I hope that, you know, with leaning more into the run goes into that. But I think, uh, I bring that up to say defensively, there's a couple of state natives I would love to have in a position you really need, and that's cornerback. Because I think my other wish list item, my first one was offensively, my second one was a defensively. I just kind of did one of each. And defensively, I think you need to go get some great corners out of the transfer portal that you can plug in, that can play right away. And what better than to go get two in state guys? So for me, I'd love to see West Virginia add JJ Roberts from Wake Forest, who's in the transfer portal, a cornerback. And then I would love to see us add Isaiah Johnson from Arizona State transfer that's in uh, the transfer portal as well. Another cornerback, uh, Isaiah Johnson, you know, originally from Bluefield, uh, went to a California prep school in California, then went to Arizona State, now is a redshirt freshman in the portal. West Virginia has offered him. Uh, still no scholarship offer for J.J. Roberts as far as I know, but he has visited, so potentially hopefully they're targeting him. So I think West Virginia need to add a couple of good cornerbacks. Why not make them a couple in-state players and really help out your defense in that way? Yeah, I think that's a stellar wish. I think that that's beautiful. I remember Isaiah Johnson, you know, at one point in time, he was in the top five cornerbacks in the country in his class. So yeah. definitely got a good pedigree. Those have worked out for us. Um, went out West, played, got some prep school experience, went to, you know, power five. Definitely a, a must reach out. I know that we've already offered him a scholarship, and I'm sure that he's going to take about uh, think about it being former teammates with uh, Sean Martin. Um, right. So definitely, definitely something that we need to be out there for. And I didn't know about the gentleman you said, JJ Roberts. Is that what you said? JJ, JJ Roberts. Yeah. yeah JJ Roberts out of Wake Forest. Definitely. Yeah. I didn't know he existed and I'm glad I know now. So definitely reach out for that. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. But uh, that's pretty much all I've got here for my W football off season Christmas wish list. Uh, Brad, you got anything else? Yeah. I'm going to say it. I think we need. I would wish for a new defensive coordinator. If I'm if I'm fixing all the other problems, I think we kind of got to fix that. Um, 
in my heart, I love Coach Jackson. I think that he's been, you know, he's kind of done the Chad Scott of the defense. You know, he's definitely been improving the guys that he's had. Um, you know, he's produced top talent every single year. And so I would love to see Coach Jackson stay. I think that it's weird to fire your defensive coordinator to hire up from then. You know, I feel like that's a little bit different scenario than what we have in the offense right now. So I don't see us promoting Coach Jackson, but I would hope that he would get to stick around. Um, but I think that you – I don't know who's out there available right now, but I think you go after somebody with some significant Power 5 experience, kind of like what we wanted with an offensive coordinator, and, you know, have a guy that right. kids are going to love. Like, you you need somebody like a Jamal Adai, you know, quite frankly. And you got to go out and find somebody like that. And somebody that might even have, you know, kids that are in the transfer portal at the school they're at right now, you know. You bring them in, you know, maybe they bring some kids with them and you're starting to fill up some more of those holes, I think that it's just like a move that needs to be made. I think that, you know, this year's defense was so bad and you can't just chalk it up to players not getting better because that's not what happened, you know? Yeah. So well, I, I should have had Jamal Adai already, but, you know, that is what it is. Probably wouldn't be in the spot you are right now if you would have made a different choice a couple of years ago, but, you know. Yeah, and now you should be forced to fire one of your friends because you got to be punished somehow, man. You know, it's got to – it's not punishment. I'm sorry. It's not punishment. I love Jordan Leslie's great, great coach, but it's just we got to have somebody with some spark come in, man. Because right now that defensive side is just not a cohesive unit. Well, I think, you know, my, I'm I'm kind of fifty fifty on it. Uh, I agree with people that want to see a change at defensive coordinator, but also I think you know Jordan Leslie did a good job. You know, his first you know few years, but I think that since you lost Jamal Adai, uh, the pass of defense has been suspect ever since, and that was his job. Of course, he was on the back half doing the secondary, and like I said earlier, you know I, I was you know kind of tongue in cheek there, but literally I think West Virginia should have went with Jamal Adai as their defensive coordinator uh, when they chose between the two. That's my personal opinion. You know, is what it is, but I think whether you agree that Jordan Leslie should go or not, I think if you're looking at this from, you know, taking gold and blue glasses off West Virginia, you know, we talked about a little bit earlier. It's in a bad kind of state right now. Season ticket sales are probably a concern. Individual game sales, you know, financial support in general. I think the fan base is upset about Neil Brown coming back and, you know, among other things that are happening. So you have to rally him somehow. You have to give him something, uh, I think, you know, when you have defense, we talked about the numbers earlier, 100-and-something in the country in pretty much every defensive category, save for rush defense. Firing the defensive coordinator would be maybe a way to get some people back in. Whether you want it or not, it could help the program moving forward in 2023 season ticket sales, just little things that you're going to have to do something to improve because right now people aren't bought in. Yeah, I mean, you could have gone out and got somebody like Tony Gibson, see if you can convince him to come back and get that you know defensive ship righted. But he, he just signed an extension. Now he got paid. Yeah, he got paid. Why would he <laughs> leave? You know, other than it's West yep. Virginia. So I don't know, man. I don't. I don't know if they'll. I'm like I said. There's going to be more staff changes coming. I would be absolutely shocked if we went into the next season with virtually the same staff, save for Graham Harrell and whoever they bring in. So I, I definitely see that coming. I don't know if it'll be Jordan Leslie, but uh, what I can tell you guys is we'll report it as it happens. Uh, we'll talk about who we want to see. And then when somebody comes in, we'll let you know about them as well. But I guess that's pretty much it for uh Christmas wish list, Brad. Uh, any final thoughts, any plugs you got, you know, I know you got your Twitter handle up there on the, on the screen for those watching the video side, but you want to plug that for those on the audio side and uh, anything else you got, go ahead, throw it in. Gotcha. Yeah. If you guys ever like WVU recruiting, I try to keep up with that. It's been kind of off the last few months cause I've been in the process of moving new jobs and such, but um, I'm definitely hoping that after the new year, getting into spring ball and stuff like that, I'll be able to keep up with it better again. So um, that being said, if you want to follow my football recruiting twitter it's at big bubba brad crw that's again at big bubba brad crw and yeah i definitely try to get i'm definitely active on there pretty active every day um like i said especially with recruiting but um, if you ever want to talk with me on there i'm always i'm always, always tweeting it up Absolutely, absolutely. And uh, follow the podcast itself on Twitter at WVU Country Roads. Uh, interact with us there as well and get, you know, announcements that way. And, of course, Facebook as well, Country Roads Webcast. Um, 
if you're on the YouTube side, appreciate you tuning in there to the video version, which of course you can find on our YouTube page. If you're catching this out on the audio side, hop over to the YouTube channel. Even if you don't want to watch the video version of the long form podcast, there's all kinds of updates going on and they're going to continue throughout the off season here. Football wise, transfer portal news, coaching staff news. As that happens, that'll be coming up on our YouTube channel. And then of course, basketball season now in full gear for West Virginia basketball as well. We've got the CRW hoops podcast going on, which of course on the audio side will show up here on the country roads webcast main feed. And then, of course, uh, basketball post-game reactions are live-streamed on our YouTube, uh, Facebook, and Twitch. If you want to check those out as well, just search for Country Roads Webcast. So plenty of content coming moving forward from us here at the Country Roads Webcast, definitely. Uh, as far as football podcasts are concerned, as news piles up uh, throughout the offseason, we'll release more of those. The next one you can re- uh, look forward to, though, as far as football long-form podcasts are concerned, is our signing day recap. Like I said, we'll probably live-stream that here on the 21st once most of the letters of intent come in on our YouTube channel. And I'll take the audio and upload it here on the podcast for you guys to listen on any podcast platform you like. Other than that, if you're on the YouTube side, drop a thumbs up. Give us a like before you head out. If you're watching this video, we really appreciate it. It really does help us here with the YouTube algorithm and things as we continue to try and grow the channel. And one of the best ways to help us grow it, of course, is getting that subscriber count up. So if you haven't already, hit the subscribe button. Helps us, helps you, helps get more of this Mountaineer sports content out to Mountaineer Nation. But if you're tuning on the audio side, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, anywhere you find us, we appreciate you tuning in. Share us around. But if you're on Apple Podcasts specifically, leave us a rating. That really helps. Uh, that being said, I guess that's all I got, Brad. Uh, any final thoughts? No, nah, brother, that's all for me. All right. Um, what do you want to say? Uh, Merry Christmas, Mountaineer Nation. I know this episode's releasing a few days before the holiday, so hope you and your families have a happy holiday, whether you celebrate Christmas, Kwanzaa, Hanukkah, or no holiday at all. We just hope you have a great uh, season here to close out the year and move into a new year in 2023. But this is the CRW Christmas-themed episode, so hope you guys enjoyed it here and enjoyed getting to hear some of the final stats for the Mountaineers in 2022. So Merry Christmas, Mountaineer Nation. For Bradley, as always, I'm Jordan Cruz. And until next time, let's go Mountaineers. Mountaineers.